0: We're going to continue our series on fresh air. How many have been enjoying the series about the Holy Spirit? Talking about the importance of the Holy Spirit in your life. So we're going to read out of John 14, and we're going to start in verse 16. John 14, verse 16. Now this is red letter, so that means Jesus is speaking it. And in John 14, and verse 16, he's talking about the Holy Spirit talking about the Holy Spirit and he says, Jesus speaking, I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper. Everybody say helper. helper. Everybody say helper. helper. Um, today I, c- I can sense already that uh, you need a little encouragement in the response level. Amen. I did realize you just said helper, but uh, you're going to need to help me Amen. help you Amen. talk about the helper. So the more you respond, the better this thing will go. Uh, I, I mentioned this uh, last week. We talked about Pentecost. And actually, in reality, no joke, today is the day of Pentecost. Do you know that? It's 50 days after Passover today, the Sunday. So hallelujah. <laughs> Pentecost. Today is Pentecost Sunday. So, when we talk about Pentecost and we talk about the Holy Spirit, it implies that you respond. It just implies that. You know, if we're talking about money or family or other stuff, it's understandable to be quiet. But when you're talking about Pentecostals, you don't just look like, oh, that's sweet, that's nice. Talking about Pentecost and Pentecostals and the Holy Spirit. You know, it kind of implies that there's some some liveliness, some expression, some some vocalization out of your own mouth saying, Amen, oh me, this stinks, something. Uh, preach it. One of those things um, are, are better than nothing. So that's just an encouragement. You know, when you preach about Pentecost and the Holy Spirit, it just kind of goes hand in hand together that you're going to respond talking about the Holy Spirit. So, um, Jesus said, I will send another helper. Everybody say helper. Helper. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you, but he will be in you. And when it says he will be in you, he's talking about the days and times that we live today. The Holy Spirit is not just going to be with you, he's going to live in you. So he's never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. And it says in verse 18, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now let's look over at 2 Corinthians 13. 2 Corinthians 13. 2 Corinthians 13. And we're actually going to go to the last verse in Second Corinthians 13 and verse 14. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Notice that. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. So, he's talking about a communion, a fellowship, a friendship with the Holy Spirit in this last part of 2 Corinthians 13. And notice he says, the grace of Jesus, the love of God, he's talking about the Father, but notice the communion or the friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is Best Friends Forever. Best Friends Forever. For those of you who want to abbreviate that, BFF. BFF. Best friends forever. How many of you in here are your best friends at church today? Hopefully your other best friend is raising their hand too, right? You're like, hey, raise your hand. I just raised my hand for you. Raise your hand. Best friends. Forever. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit again today. We've been talking about Him the past few weeks, sharing different messages about the importance of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk today about the Holy Spirit and being in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, having a friendship with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about best friends forever. Best friends forever. Now in John 14 and verse 16, let's turn back over there. John 14 and verse 16. I know we just turned to 2 Corinthians. But John 14 and verse 16. John 14 and verse 16. Jesus said, I will pray the Father. And notice he will give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. Forever. And it goes on and says, I will not leave you orphans. Or I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I will be with you, and not just with you, I will be in you. And how does God do that? He does it through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's not just going to be with us while we're here. He's going to be with us forever. He is a friend forever. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will not leave us orphans or without a relationship with God. That's what it means. He will be with us forever. And we're going to talk about friendship with the Holy Spirit. Friendship with the Holy Spirit. Now today, I want to share some things that I've shared some the other weeks, but let's go a little bit deeper, if that's okay, talking about the Holy Spirit and friendship with Him. First of all, if we're going to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we have to understand that He is a person and not a force. He is a person and not a force. And we're going to talk about that because if you just think the Holy Spirit is a force or a feeling, and that's all He is, then you will have no relationship with Him because He's just a feeling. He's just a force. He's just, you know, a lot of times in the church world, the Holy Spirit is always just described as things that people do. So when people pray in tongues, that's the Holy Ghost. Or when people fall out, it's the Holy Spirit. Or when people take a lap, it's the Holy Ghost. Or when people start preaching in church It's like the Holy Ghost is on him But the Holy Ghost is not those things necessarily He's a person Not just feelings Now the Holy Spirit can come on somebody And they pray in tongues But he's not tongues The Holy Spirit will come on people And the presence of God can be so strong And they fall out But he's not falling out He's a person. And we need to understand that because if you talk about the Holy Spirit in only one way, a lot of people just think of Him in terms of goosebumps and feelings and a wild service and things that people do in service. But He's bigger than that. The Holy Spirit is a person. And when we don't see Him as a person, we can't relate to Him as a person. And when we don't see the Holy Spirit as a person, you can't be in a relationship with Him as a person. And it really dishonors Him because He is just as much God as the Father and Son are God. There is Father, Son, and Spirit. They are three in one. And they are all equally God and they are all equally have their own personalities and persons to themselves. Now, I realize that's hard for us to understand because we are finite beings who live on this planet and we are not God. So for somebody to say that God is three in one, it hurts our brains just a little bit. But you have to believe that God is three in one. He is Father, Son, and Spirit. And they were all equally God. But a lot of times, let's be honest, the Holy Spirit gets left out. He doesn't get the credit like Father and Son do. He's not talked about in church because people are uncomfortable with the Holy Spirit because they don't understand Him or they're afraid of Him. But the Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Father and Son are God. And in reality, we live in the church age. We live in the age of the Holy Spirit. That is who you relate to. The Father, if we want to get technical, the Father and the Son are in heaven, but the Holy Spirit has been sent to this earth where we're living right now. And the Bible says he's not just with us now, but as believers, he lives in us and through us. So he is as close to you as breath is into your lungs. That is the closeness that the Holy Spirit is to you. But a lot of times he is overlooked because of teaching, wrong teaching about him. There is uh, several different books that came out in the past few years, but they have interesting titles. And they were both about the Holy Spirit in a good way. Uh, explaining to the church how we've missed it because we haven't related to the Holy Spirit as a person. One was called Forgotten God. And the other book was called The God I Never Knew. Because they realized, these men that wrote these books, realized that the church as a whole has forgotten about the Holy Spirit. They didn't realize that there was... Someone named the Holy Spirit They know about him but they don't know him And they've forgotten along the lines That he is the most important thing in their lives to them He is the helper He is the comforter He is the intercessor He is God who's not just with us He's God in us Now when Jesus was here in physical form He was God with us But he can only be at one place at one time But the Holy Spirit is God in us. And he will never leave or forsake us. So that means no matter where you go on the planet, no matter what you're doing, no matter where you're hiding out at, the Holy Spirit is not far away from you, not off in heaven, not in a church building. He's living on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus said, it's better for me to go because I'm going to send him, and he's going to not just be with you, he's going to live in you, so you'll never be alone another day in your life. Never. Never. You know, when people say that they're alone, and they know Jesus, and they've accepted him, they're not. How many times do we disrespect the Holy Spirit by statements like that? Well, I'm just all alone in the world. Don't got any friends, don't got any family, don't got anybody to love me. The Holy Spirit's living on the inside of you, the best friend, the most powerful being in the universe. And a lot of times like, well, I'm alone. <laughs> How disrespectful is that? That's like your best friend's sitting right next to you and you're like, I don't have any friends. Man, I wish you had a friend. And your friend's like, hey, I'm here. Hi, did you forget about me? The Holy Spirit's there the whole time waiting for us. But notice he's a gentleman. He's not going to force his way with people that don't want a relationship with him. And that's what a lot of people think are going to happen. The Holy Spirit's just going to come on you and make you be friends. How many know that's not a true friendship if somebody makes you be their friend? You will be my friend, and we will have fun, and you will like it. It's all about free will. Holy Spirit's the same way. He will only be in a relationship with somebody who wants to be in a relationship with them. All right, we're getting going here. You guys are helping me this morning so far. So he is a person, and if we don't see the Holy Spirit as a person, it will hinder our relationship with him. Now, just to kind of give you some teaching, you don't have to turn anywhere, but the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit in personal pronouns, not it. When the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit in the Bible, it uses the word he, himself, and him. Not it. Not feeling, not goosebumps, not just the force. Because that's what people think it is in church. Pastors coming up here praying for somebody and they fall out and you're like, oh my gosh, he's got powers like Darth Vader does. What in the world? The force. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit is not just a force. He is a person. And notice it describes him in personal pronouns. The Holy Spirit is referred to he, himself, and him. Now these are some things that the Holy Spirit does. In the Bible it says all these things. The Spirit works. The Spirit leads. The Spirit guides. Now a force cannot do that. A feeling cannot do that. The Holy Spirit prays. The Holy Spirit convicts. And the Holy Spirit calls. Now let me share a couple other things with you. The Holy Spirit in the Bible has feelings. He has feelings. The Holy Spirit can have his feelings hurt. A force cannot. A feeling cannot. It cannot. But a person can The Holy Spirit has feelings. These are some things the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be resisted. The Holy Spirit can be vexed. The Holy Spirit can be quenched. And the Holy Spirit can be grieved. So the Holy Spirit is a person. He is referred to as a person. He is referred to in personal pronouns. In the Bible, it it shows all these actions that the Holy Spirit uh, does for us and in us and through us. It gives us that the Holy Spirit has feelings because He's a real person. He can be grieved. He can be resisted. He can be received. Just like a person in our lives can be. And He's a gentleman, so He doesn't push His way. And a lot of people think the Holy Spirit's just going to take over you and make you do stuff and change your life and and just make you do all these things and... uh, Bring freedom into your life without your cooperation, and it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. God wants that for you, but He's a gentleman. He can be resisted, He can be vexed, He can be quenched, and He can be grieved. How many know there's a lot of churches on Sunday mornings that the Holy Spirit is grieved because He can't do what He wants to do in that church? Because the worship team and the pastor. And the people will not allow him to do it. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He won't do it. Because he can be resisted. He can be grieved. There's, there's people today that God wants them to be saved. But they're not. He wants them to be healed. But they're not. There's people in addictions all over the world that God wants to deliver them. God wants to save them. But He's not doing that Why is He not doing that? Because you can resist the Spirit of God You can hinder the Spirit of God You can stop the Spirit of God in your life Because He is a person And He has respect for your will as a person And so the Holy Spirit is a real person And if we don't see that It will hinder our relationship with Him Because He can be resisted Or He can be received the Holy Spirit is a person, and if we're going to be uh, friends with the Holy Spirit, if we're going to have a friendship with Him, we need to see Him as a person. Now, you with me so far today? Um, so recently, I, I have a story to tell you about Natalie and I's relationship. Um, we, we have a great relationship. We are the same person in every way. The only difference is she's a girl and I'm a guy. That's the only difference. Every other way, we are the same person. Um, we look like each other. We act like each other. We think the same things are funny, which are good jokes, clean jokes, of course. No bathroom humor at all. Um, just just good old clean uh, kids jokes. Um, so we laugh at the same things. We We have a great relationship. So... Um, Natalie and I have been going to ride her bike recently. Um, She's getting really good at riding her bike. She still has training wheels on her bike. She has a frozen bike with uh, all sorts of cool frozen princess stuff all over it. And she has training wheels on this bike because she's not ready to just just do it by herself. So she's been practicing it in our neighborhood but recently we've been going to Charlestown because we live closer to Charlestown. Uh, We've been going to charlestown and we've been practicing in this parking lot where i go to the gym at now don't act shocked that i go to the gym guys come on say yeah i i could tell completely that you go to the gym all the time um and so there's this big parking lot and there's nothing but space there's really not a whole lot of cars at the gym and so there's this huge parking lot and it goes all the way around so there's just endless space to ride her bike so she can do whatever she wants And so she's been taking advantage of that. We've been going several times to this uh, parking lot to do that. So um, she's almost five years old, so she thinks she's a teenager already. (laughs) And I want to tell her, I deal with teenagers enough in my life. I don't need a five-year-old trying to act like a teenager in my life and telling me that you're grown and that you can do whatever you want to do because you're almost five years old. You know, it's funny, when you get a little older, The craziness of your parents makes sense. (laughs) The rules and restrictions that your parents had that you didn't appreciate when you were there, you think about your child now and you're like, oh, I'm going to make it harder on them than I got it when I was younger. That makes perfect sense. You are not leaving the house till you're 18 years old. You will not drive yourself to school. If a guy looks at you, you will do your homework in my office the rest of your life. (laughs) But when when you're, trust me, when you're living in their house... Their rules are the worst thing that could ever happen to you. You don't get it. But when you have your own kid, you understand. And you don't understand till then. Just trust me on this. You don't get it until then. Then once you have your own child, you realize it makes perfect sense now. And actually, mom and dad, why weren't you harder on me? Because I'm going to make it stricter on her than it was on me. Why? Because you love your child and you want to protect them, don't you? You're not trying to spoil their fun. You love them. Now, parents, you better give me an offering because I'm trying to help you this morning. Because I know your teenagers are listening to what I'm saying right now. So, you're you're doing those things because you love them and you want to protect them. We kind of got diverted, but I wanted to say that for a moment. So, she's all about... Daddy, don't help me. I don't need any help. And she does this with everything, and I, I'm okay with some of it because now I don't have to do as much now that she's almost five. So if you say, like, hey, do you want me to go pick out your clothes for you? No, I'll, I'll do it. I'll pick it out. Of course, she has some awesome outfits she picks out. And so I'll say, hey, do you want me to help you get dressed? No, Daddy, I can do it. Or, hey, do you want me to go uh, get something for you? No, Daddy, I can do it. That's her favorite line right now. And it's the same way with riding her bike. She, now that she's getting pretty good at it, she doesn't need my help anymore. And so as she's riding her bike and she kept saying, well, daddy, you know, don't touch my bike because I keep trying to like steady the bike. She's like, don't touch my bike um, because I want to do it by myself because I'm a big girl. I'm not a baby. I can do it by myself. And if I try to come behind her and push her a little bit to help her speed, Daddy, don't do, don't do that because I'm fast, and I don't need your help. And I'm thinking, girl. <laughs> but there's something that happened, and, you know, God talks to me in those settings. And so she kept saying, don't help me. Don't help me. I, I don't need your help, Daddy. I got this. But in my head, guess what? I knew. Give it a couple minutes and she's going to say, Daddy, I need you to help me. Because either she would get tired of pedaling or she got stuck on some gravel or there was you know some sand or something in the parking lot she ran over and she couldn't get uh, over it. Or sometimes there's a little bit of a, uh, uphill and she couldn't exactly pedal it that good. I knew that she's going to need my help. Even though she's saying she doesn't need my help. And I felt like in that moment, God was saying, Jordan, how many times do you do that to me in your everyday life? How many know he is God? He knows what we need. And he knows when we need it. And it's prideful for us to act like we got it all together when we don't. Just like I knew, because I'm her dad, I know Give me a break. You're going to need my help in like literally two minutes from now. You're going to ask me for some help. But, you know, I don't need any help. I'm thinking, how many times do we do that in our own lives with God? We say, no, I don't. Holy Spirit, you know, he's the helper. And you say, "I, I don't need your help. I got it. I don't need your help. I got it. And he knows you and he knows me. And he's thinking, any second now they're going to ask me for help. If they would just let me help them. But you know what? He can be resisted. He can be resisted. And how many times do we do that to him? Even though he knows we need help, he's not going to help us unless we ask him for help. And how many times do we act like that, like we got all together, and I, I got it, I can do it. And he's thinking, "You you can't do this without me. Because <laughs> we can't. But then we have to ask for help. And then... You know, when Natalie asked me for help after she denied me and resisted me so many times, you know, how do I respond to that? I say, help yourself. I'm going home. No, I don't say that. I don't say that at all. I help. And so think about this. Think about how many times we do that. How many times we do that to the Holy Spirit? We resist him, and he knows that we need help. And we're just out there struggling by ourselves. You know, a lot of times, especially when we're uh, together, she's riding her bike. All she needs, she doesn't need me to uh, move her bike or or carry it somewhere or help her pedal. All she needs is a little push. That's all she needs. And that's what the Holy Spirit comes in our life to do. I, I don't know about you, but on a lot of days, the Holy Spirit, He just needs to come behind you and give you a little push. You're doing good, but there's some things that you can't get over, that you can't get past, that you need a little bit of help, that you're not strong enough to pedal up, that you can't do by yourself. And the Holy Spirit comes because He is your helper, and He gives you a little push. That's what the Holy Spirit does to help us. And not to push us over. (laughs) He pushes us forward. To help us. You guys getting something so far today? So the Holy Spirit wants to be our helper. But notice he can be resisted. And he can be grieved. Even though he wants to help. Just like I want to help Natalie sometimes. But she says no I got it. Even though I know you don't got it. That's what the Holy Spirit thinks about us. But you know it's amazing. The Holy Spirit is so compassionate. So loving. Even though we act like that to him. And when we ask for help. He doesn't beat us up for it. He doesn't condemn us for it. He doesn't say things to us like, well, I knew that. When were you going to ask me about it? He comes to help us. The Holy Spirit is our helper, and he can be resisted. He is a person, and we can relate to him. So we're talking about friendship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in the Gospels, we're not going to turn there, But Jesus, when he was on earth, he relied upon the Holy Spirit. Even though he was God, he relied upon the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus is God, but it says in the book of Philippians, when he came to earth, he came as a man, not as God. Even though he was God. And it says he humbled himself to the place that he put aside his divine privileges as God. So he was walking this earth. Jesus was walking this earth as a man, not as God. And he was walking this earth as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now he did that not just for his sake. Come on now, somebody, where are the Pentecostals at? For your sake. Because he wasn't just trying to show you what he could do. He was trying to show you what you could do. Because he wasn't walking this earth as God He was walking it as a man Empowered by the Holy Spirit So how could he say That greater works than the things I've done You can do also He could say that because the same Holy Spirit he had Is the same Holy Spirit we have No difference And that's why he could say the same things I do You can do also in greater things Because he was walking as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit. How much more us need the Holy Spirit in our lives? If Jesus thought the Holy Spirit was important, we should think the Holy Spirit was important. Jesus in the Gospels did nothing supernatural until the Holy Spirit got poured out on him. Nothing at all. He didn't heal a fly until he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. He did not do anything else other than make tables as a carpenter until he was filled with the Holy Spirit, even though he was God. Why? Because he was walking as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. And it says he put away his divine privileges as God. Notice, not just to show him what he could do, but what we can do with that same Holy Spirit. When he was baptized, we know that a dove came from heaven and the Holy Spirit was poured out upon him. And the father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he was baptized by John and it says the Holy Spirit came on him for service, to do what he was called to do. He did nothing supernatural before that point when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon him. When he was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days by the devil. Now, you think that you have it rough? You know, when we say the devil's after me, it's not the devil. You've given yourself too much credit. The devil's after me. No, the devil. The devil himself, not not a demon, not just some other evil spirits, the devil himself, the devil's after me all week. why do, the, the devil doesn't think we are that important he's got to send a demon, an evil spirit, something to to mess with us that's what we mean. it's not the devil, no, the devil, Beelzebub, pitchfork, horns, the whole thing, came to Jesus. Face to face and tempted him for 40 days. Not a demon, the devil. So, tempted him for 40 days. And the Bible says the way he made it through that was he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. The way he lasted through those temptations for 40 days was the Holy Spirit. The way he could be Tempted face to face with the devil for 40 days and resist him. And it says he came out of that temptation in power of the Holy Spirit. The way he got over it was the Holy Spirit. The way he did his ministry was the Holy Spirit. Even, now you listen. Even when Jesus went to the cross, then he went to the grave. He was in the grave for three days. The Bible implies that he was in hell paying for our sin, paying for our redemption, paying for our sickness, paying for our poverty, paying for everything. He was in hell for three days for our sakes. Now what does it say happened? The same Spirit... That raised Jesus from the dead. Dwells in us. The same spirit. The Holy Spirit was even the person. That gave Jesus the power. To get out of hell and the grave. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God came and gave him life. And gave him resurrection. In his physical, spiritual, and every part of his body. To bring him up from the grave. The same spirit that raised him from the dead. Is the same Spirit that lives in us. That's how important the Holy Spirit is. And I would just say, if the Son of God thinks that the Holy Spirit is that important, how much more we should think He's that important and rely on Him and trust Him and He should be our friend. The Holy Spirit wants to help us. And if Jesus relied on him, if Jesus needed his help, we need his help. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 13. You guys get something today? I feel my help are coming. So friendship with the Holy Spirit. I was about to sing a Clint Brown song for a second. Y'all remember Clint Brown? The real church people know who Clint Brown is. He's a white man in a, no, yeah, he is a white, no, he is a, yes, he is a white man, but he, there's a black man inside his body, kind of like myself, so that's that's where the relation comes in. Uh, but you remember the, was it I Win, where he said, hell caught her party on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Said it was over and done. Okay, I'm just going to stop right there. I was going to more rap it than sing it, so I'm just going to. But the same spirit, notice, that raised him from the dead. No, that's all you get. That was like a spoken word version of it. The same spirit that raised him from the dead is the same spirit, it says, that dwells in us. So 2 Corinthians 13 in verse 14. 2 Corinthians 13 in verse 14. So this is the end of... 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and a lot of times at the end of Paul's letters, he writes either a prayer or an exhortation to the church. That's kind of his way of uh, signing off his letter, is he gives a prayer or an exhortation. And notice what he said to this Corinthian church in 2nd Corinthians 13, verse 14. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all, Amen. So notice it says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's the Son, and the love of God, that's the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, we don't live in a world that uses words like communion. When I say communion, you're thinking uh, when we come up and we eat bread and we drink the little grape juice. That's what you're thinking when it says communion. A lot of people don't use that word, communion. But it really the meaning of it is fellowship. Or I love what the message translation says. Now listen to this. The message translation says, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. So he says, I want you to receive the grace of Jesus. And I want you to receive the love of the Father. But he says, third, I want you to have this communion or fellowship or friendship with the Holy Spirit. He's telling you, he wants you to receive all these things from God. The grace of Jesus, the love of the Father, and the friendship of, Of the Holy Spirit Now why the friendship Because the Holy Spirit is the one you relate to He's the one who lives in you And communion and fellowship Sometimes those words They're church words So people don't understand that I love why the message says The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit That's what he wants us to experience On a daily basis Now, we're going to go a little bit deeper. Hopefully, you won't get uncomfortable, but we got to say what we need to say. The word intimacy makes people uncomfortable. The word intimacy, that's why everybody's quiet right now when I just said it. Oh, my gosh, awkward. (laughs) Intimacy. Why would he say that from the front? Intimacy makes people uncomfortable. And it says the intimacy... Or the friendship of the Holy Spirit. Not just a friendship, but an intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Makes people uncomfortable to talk about that. But the reality is that it's important. Real friendship, real relationships need intimacy. And if they don't, they're not real friendships or relationships. They're not real and genuine. Now, follow me here. Most people, I'm going to make a big statement here. Most people have shallow relationships. Most people do. Is there a cricket over here or church mouse or what? Most people have shallow relationships. Amen. Yeah, okay, I'll amen myself because it's true. Because intimacy is uncomfortable. Most people have shallow friendships and relationships because intimacy is uncomfortable. People don't mean to be shallow. People don't mean to be superficial. But it takes time and it takes you being vulnerable to have that kind of relationship which most people are not willing to put in that time or effort into it. So that's why most relationships are shallow. Now follow me here. Let's just take this for instance, and I'm not being mean when I'm saying this, I'm just bringing up the truth. A lot of you in this church have been here a long time. A lot of you have had shallow relationships with each other. For a long time Then Once we put you in life groups And you start getting to know each other You realize I've been sitting by this person for years And I never knew they had a child that struggled I've been saying hello to this person for 10 years And I didn't realize that they had the same struggles that I have Why? Because intimacy is uncomfortable It takes some time, it takes some effort, it takes you being vulnerable And most people don't want to be vulnerable because they want to act like they got it all together when they don't So a lot of our relationships, if we can be honest, I'm not just talking about in church, everywhere People at school, people at work, people at church, people in your life Most of us have shallow relationships because we're not willing to put in the effort it's easier not to and feel like everything's going okay. It's easier not to be vulnerable with people. It's easier to not give time to people. It's either easier to just be like, hey, God bless you. Hi, bye. God bless, sorry. And really think you're friends. You're not. But isn't that the truth? We put you in life groups after all these years and said, Get in a relationship with somebody, and then you find out all these things about these people that you've known for 30 years. I guess you didn't really know them, then did you? I'm not being mean with what I'm saying. I'm just telling the truth. Why? Because it takes effort and time and being vulnerable, and most people are not willing to do that with other people. It's easier to live a life where you just say hi and bye to people, isn't it? You don't want anybody in your business. You don't want anybody knowing you're struggling. It's easier to go to work and say, hi, bye, God bless. Water cooler, hey, meet me at TGA Fridays, God bless. (laughs) It's easier to go to school and just just act like you're you're friends with everybody and everything's great and not ever bring up anything real because it's easier that way. It's easier to go to church and act like, ha I'm blessed, God bless, awesome. And you're not. And you have issues and you feel like you can't talk to anybody because it takes time and effort and being vulnerable for intimacy. Are you following me so far? Now, the reason I'm bringing this up because it says that he wants you to have an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit, not a shallow friendship, not a superficial friendship, but an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Because if you're shallow with other people, you'll be shallow with him. Even though he already knows everything. Now you still with me here. Now you don't act like you don't like me up here. I'm telling you the truth now. Come on. So think about this. Think about this intimacy, this friendship, these relationships that we need in our lives. It takes time. You know. With the Holy Spirit, we we don't mean to be that way, but like I said, it's easier that way. It's easier to not open that can of worms. It's easier to not bring up that you're struggling. It's easier to just go through life and not ever have real conversations with people, tough conversations with people, hard conversations with people. It's easier to live a life like that, but it's a shallow life. It's a superficial life, and most people are okay with it. Most people are okay with it. But you got to not be okay with it. Because God has created you for more. Not just with the Holy Spirit, but with other people. Especially your church family. Creating those relationships, creating those times. And like I said, that's one of the main reasons we put life groups together. Is so people could have settings like that to start getting closer and developing relationships because people have been sitting by each other for years and they don't know each other. That's not God's plan or God's design. So, we need to be vulnerable with the Holy Spirit. We need to spend time with the Holy Spirit. We need to be real with the Holy Spirit if we're going to have intimacy With the Holy Spirit. I mean the Holy Spirit already knows what you're thinking. What you're going through. What you're experiencing. So there's no reason to act like that's not a reality in your life. Because he wants to be your helper. Wants to be your helper. So we need to change the way we think about friendship. Friendship. From this shallow friendship, this superficial friendship that a lot of us have with people. Now, I'm not saying you're a wrong person, I do the same thing. Not that we're being fake on purpose or just being a shallow person. It's just easier to be that way than to have the real conversations because the real conversations take time. How's the weather takes no time to talk about? How's the weather? Got the kids. Great, 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 great. But then when you open a can of worms, you just can't walk away from the conversation after five minutes. You're just like, what in the world? No, we go to sit down and talk about this. Okay, get the coffee. Let's get on the couch here because this is going to be a long conversation. But you need conversations like that with people. You need them. And you need for people to be able to talk to you in a real way. And let me be honest with you, the people that talk to you like that in a real way, in an honest way, and bring up tough things you don't want to talk about, that's your real friends. Those are the real people that love you. Those are the real people that care about you. Those are the real people that have your best interests at heart, that will bring up things that make you uncomfortable, that bring up intimate friendship things, that challenge you, that love you, that say, okay, I appreciate us just being fun and funny because I can just be that way. But sometimes we have to put that down for a second and talk about some real things because that's what real life is. But the Holy Spirit, He wants to be an intimate friend. I've heard people say this before, intimacy is into me, see. Into me see. You see the person for who they really are. Not just the person they appear to be. You see inside the person. The inside of the person is the real person. That's the real person. Into me see. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants. That's what the Holy Spirit desires. A friendship and so right now, hopefully you're being encouraged. I know you're really quiet because you're listening. But hopefully you're being encouraged about a friendship with the Holy Spirit, but also with each other. The Holy Spirit, notice he desires, like the message says, an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Not fake, not superficial, superficial, not shallow, um, a real friendship. You know, this is why. Just to be honest, this is why. Growing up in a Pentecostal charismatic church my whole entire life. This is why I have a problem with some people acting a certain way in here, but not acting that way out there. And I realize there is something that that happens when you're in a church like this, and. There is a corporate anointing together, and it is more powerful sometimes in your everyday life. So there, there should be some expression. But if you act a certain way or you respond a certain way in here, but you don't act the same way at the grocery store, I just want to say, is that a show or is that, what is that? Right. Hello, somebody. And I realize in the grocery store, you know, they're probably not playing an awesome worship song, so that's why you're probably not responding that way. But still, you know what I'm saying. When you act a certain way in church, and then I want to doubt whether there's an intimate friendship. Not that you don't have a relationship at all, but it's probably pretty, pretty shallow. If you only do certain things when you're here, but not there. This has been fun being your pastor, guys. Um, God bless. We'll see you next year. Okay. But intimacy, into me, see, you need people, but you need uh, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Proverbs 18 and 24. We're going to close here. You guys getting something today? I know it took a little bit more of a serious tone for a second there, but I, I felt like I was needed to be said Good. Good. Proverbs 18 and we're going to read here in a second in verse 24 so intimacy in the friendship takes time it takes you being vulnerable. It takes you putting forth some effort. You know, God's not into earning, but He is into effort. With any good relationship, you get out of it the effort you put into it. You get out of it the effort you put into it. And the Holy Spirit, He's not looking for you to be perfect. He's not looking for you to earn something from Him. But He is looking for some effort. Because he's putting forth his part. He's looking for some effort that somebody wants to get to know him. That somebody wants to be a friend. That somebody's willing to give him some time of their day to be a real friend. He's looking for some effort that you're willing to get vulnerable with him and tell him what you're dealing with and tell him what you're struggling with and be humble enough to ask him for help. Because he already knows what's going on in your life. But he's looking for somebody to put forth some effort. Because how many know we put forth effort in almost everything else in our life that is not important? And we put the least amount of effort in the best relationship we could ever have, and that's with God. We all do it. We all just get busy with work and with life and with everything that goes on and with social media and with the Internet and with our phones and with our kids and with our grandkids and with our dogs and with our cats and with our goldfish. And we get, what? You guys don't like goldfish? I shouldn't say cats because forget the cats. But, all right. Or, you know, like the Garians they pretty much have a zoo over there. So, like, Giraffe. Iguana, alligator, snake handlers, just everything over there at the Garton house. Lions, tigers, everything over there. But we put forth effort in every other relationship other than the one that's most important. And we realize, and we got to be honest with ourselves to say, well, that's why my relationship with God doesn't seem that exciting. Doesn't seem that... Good. it doesn't seem like I can hear from God that much it doesn't seem like I'm that close to God anymore because you put effort in everything else but Him and we got to put effort in what's important and that's a friendship with the Holy Spirit and then notice not shallow and not superficial but intimate and that takes, once again it takes time it takes being vulnerable It takes putting forth effort to make that relationship work. Proverbs 18.24 says this. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The reason I read this verse is because a lot of people believe that this verse is pointing to the Holy Spirit. You have a lot of friends... You have a lot of people who know you, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend that is closer than your best friend on earth. There is a friend that's closer than your mom or your dad or your grandma or your grandpa or your your brother or sister. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and that is the Holy Spirit. That is the one who we have neglected a lot of us in our own lives. And He should be our best friend. He should be our priority. We should be giving the most effort to that. But a lot of times we don't. And notice the Holy Spirit's not mad at us for that, but He desires a relationship with us. You know the Bible says that God is jealous for us? Jealous. God is jealous for us. You guys know that feeling. When your best friend... Finds another friend. Oh, it's on now. That ain't going to happen. What is that feeling? Jealous. You're upset. God feels that same way about us. He's not upset at us, but he's upset and grieved like the Bible says, Because he can't do what he wants to do in our lives He's grieved and he's hurt Because he realized we're giving our time and our attention To all these things that are really not going to help us In the grand scheme of life And so he's jealous for our time and our attention He's jealous for our friendship and our relationship God is jealous for us Because he loves us and he knows what's best for us And he knows that nothing else in this world Will give us what he can give us That's why he's jealous for us Are you guys hearing what I'm saying today? And God desires this friendship with us This intimacy with us He's jealous for us He wants this relationship and friendship But notice it's all on our side It's all on our side It's all on our side to put forth that effort and time and vulnerability to have that intimate friendship with him. I love it It says there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Sticks closer than a brother. The Holy Spirit wants to be that close to you. Closer than your friends, closer than your family, closer than anybody in your life. And he's the best friend you could ever have. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. There's nothing too bad that you do that will make him leave. There's nothing you could say to him that he won't be your friend anymore. He is the best friend. Let me challenge you with a few things here as we close. Every relationship is awkward at the beginning. Every relationship is awkward at the beginning. Amen. Amen. Uh, No, you guys are all just socially awesome. So you've never had an awkward moment in your life. Come on now. Every relationship is awkward at the beginning. Same way with the Holy Spirit. You know, when you first start developing a friendship and a relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's awkward. Not on his side, but on your side. Because you have to develop a friendship and a relationship. Now, every relationship to stop that awkwardness, it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take being vulnerable to progress in that relationship. And I would say a lot of believers... Stop in their friendship with the Holy Spirit Because of that awkwardness at the beginning And they're not willing to put in the time to make it not awkward And I realize it all starts out the same way for all of us in here You realize somebody tells you That uh, you need to have a friendship with the Holy Spirit And the thing about the Holy Spirit is He's invisible Okay Awkward for starters An invisible friend named the Holy Ghost. All right. It's going to be a little awkward. And another thing about him, you're not going to be able to hear him with your natural ears. Okay, cool, cool. All right, we're two for two here. It's getting a little bit more awkward. You're going to have to hear him through your spiritual ears. All right, all right, we're we're going here. It's still getting more awkward. And I realize when people explain it like that, which there's, it's supernatural. It's hard to explain it any other way. It creates a lot of opportunities to be awkward, but you got to push past it. You got to push past it. You know, the first time you talk to somebody that you really um, want to be friends with, it's usually awkward the first time. But you don't just give up because it's awkward the first time. You stumble over yourself and guess what? The next time you probably stumble over yourself and the next time you stumble over yourself, but eventually you're going to start making sense, hopefully. Right? But if you love them and you're interested, like the Holy Spirit, you'll do whatever it takes. And the Holy Spirit, he wants to be your friend. He wants to be in this intimate friendship, but we have to go beyond this awkwardness with him. All of us in here. Including myself. Push past those feelings, push past that awkwardness, because once you've tasted of the friendship with the Holy Spirit, nothing else will satisfy. When you've tasted of that friendship, all other friendships pale in comparison to the Holy Spirit. But you got to push past the awkwardness at the beginning when you're like, all right, I'm just talking to myself here. The Holy Spirit's invisible. I don't know how this all works. you gotta start somewhere. You gotta give him time. No, you gotta give him effort, you gotta be vulnerable. Are you guys receiving this today? But I'm just giving you a heads up. It's gotta be awkward at the beginning and you gotta press press past it. You gotta pursue him. Just like any other great relationship or friendship in your life, you gotta pursue. You gotta put forth effort. It's the best friend that you could ever have.